0: everybody welcome back to another week of book club decent dialogue who knows what it's called uh it's decent dialogues book club we are going over chapter six this week we had a great q a episode last week and this one this one is a weighty chapter i'm just giving you a a warning so if you haven't had a chance to read it yet i would strongly encourage that you do Um, but anyways open up your books jump in and uh, join us for the conversation today
1: Yeah, so like Greg said, this is a an extremely weighty uh chapter. And it was, it was a very difficult chapter uh for me to read at times and just reading the uh the different stories of of what happened during these times. Uh, the the name of the chapter is Reconstructing White Supremacy in the Jim Crow Era. And It talks about, I I really didn't know what the Jim Crow era was uh, until reading this chapter, and I still probably uh, would struggle being able to define it. But it's this post-Civil War time uh, when white supremacists and people who were extremely racist and terrible uh, towards people of color, they tried to go back to the pre-Civil War time, basically, and they wanted to build out society again like it was, uh, before the emancipation. And so this chapter walks through different stories of, uh, how the white people, uh, tried to do that and how they kind of inflicted pain on the, on the black race and inflicted pain on, uh, on these different, uh, people of color just because of the color of their skin. And they wanted to go back uh, to a time where they were enslaved. Uh, and so that's kind of what this chapter walks through. And again, like reading reading it through, it's be prepared to uh, be shocked by some of this stuff. I I know I definitely was. Uh, and so if I'm shocked even reading a glimpse of of what happened, uh, I can't imagine what uh, these people went through and and dealt with. And this is this is a part of our history as as Americans. And there's definitely some stuff in there that I never even. Thought about, uh, thought it could be that bad. Like, how could humans do this to other humans? And and all of it, a lot of times, in the name of following Christ. Uh, and so that's kind of what this chapter is about. Uh, I know we'll have uh, a couple takeaways and a couple big things that really stood out to us. But again, uh, a very weighty chapter. So it's good. Yeah.
0: It. Scott, I don't know how you want to handle this because I have one large takeaway today instead of two. Um okay. So I don't know if you want to go. Do you have two or three or what do you got?
1: Um, I mean, I just have like a handful of things uh, that I wanted to kind of point out about it. I guess there's, you know, I could I could narrow it down to two. Well,
0: that's fine. Just you start out um, and then I'll jump in in the middle yeah. because I'll probably take a good like six minutes probably to walk through.
1: OK, perfect. So uh, the, the first thing that kind of jumped out to me and it, it kind of has been a theme of of this book so far is that. Uh, And one of the, one of the quotes from the book, it says they romanticized the antebellum South as an age of earnest religion, honorable gentlemen, delicate Southern bells and happy blacks content in their bondage. And I just said that this quote really speaks to how nostalgia plays a huge role in the way we view history. You know, you can really uh, distort history in order to make it to your liking, and you can rewrite history and say, this is what it was like in order to kind of get people on board uh, with the way things are going in a very bad way. Uh, And that's kind of how the stage was set for this chapter. That's that's something that I, I don't really do a good job of, of knowing history well. And so as I'm learning stuff in history or as I learn stuff in school, I just kind of took it at face value and thought, yeah, that's, you know, uh, that's what I'm being taught. That's how it was, whatever, move on. Uh, and I didn't really take it into consideration. And so uh, when he made that statement, like they romanticized the antebellum South, uh, you know, it's kind of taking a history and, and tweaking it to, to what is going to serve your needs and I think that's just so important to remember that you can't tweak history to serve your needs. Like history is history. And I remember one of the things I did learn uh, throughout history, uh, hit my history classes is taking world history at, at large. Uh, history is written by the winners, uh, the winners of war, the winners of whatever, however you want to view that, uh, the history is written by the winners. And so a lot of times we don't get the history of these marginalized people groups or these uh people who were conquered or things like that. Their their stories and their history is just kind of erased. And I think that's what uh the author was really talking about here is how they just took the took the history and changed it completely to serve their needs. Uh so that was probably my biggest takeaway at first. First big takeaway.
0: Yeah, I I like what you you make a great point there. Like people I think I think we all do this in some way or another. We tweak history to forget a lot of the awful moments. Like we just wrote, we romanticize, we get nostalgic. I think I've made this point before on this podcast. So forgive me if you're hearing this again, but like we, we just don't, it's easy to think about a time period in our life and remember all of the great stuff. And I think naturally we try to forget the bad stuff. I think that's played out all throughout history, you know, Uh, even in my own life. Like I remember I romanticized my, like looking back on like, you're going to think I'm really young, but I was in middle school when like, 08 like the economy crashed. I think I was, yeah, I was like sixth, seventh grade. Um, Scott was 57 at that time. Uh, we yep. have a big age gap No, but I, I, I mean, I don't, I was a middle schooler in a time period where a lot of people were struggling to get by. Did I mm. feel any of that? No. Do I look back on that time and have great memories? Sure. But there was a lot of people and a lot of stuff going on in history that was not great but i just don't remember it and i i i probably knew about some of the stuff but it's not what comes to my mind and like unfortunately i think we do that sometimes and we always have to be cautious to to keep a realistic view of history in our mind of what actually happened because if not mm-hmm. like you've said it before like history doesn't you said it 2 weeks in a row in this podcast which is hysterical but <laughs> that history doesn't repeat but it rhymes like we fall yep. into very similar patterns very quickly when we forget yep. I um kind of leads into my my biggest point here though, is that I, I think the biggest thing that I see from the reconstruction period and then post that. So basically, I mean he he kind of examined he was kind of all over the place in the time periods because it fits in a larger time, more of like directly after civil war into the reconstruction period, after um, and then after that up into like the early 20th century. Uh, If you don't know what Reconstruction period is, it's basically a period of 12 years after the Civil War that the Union was basically trying to help the South get back on their feet and become part of the United States again through a bunch of different ways. Um, There was the 13th 13th through 15th Amendments that got passed, which um, abolished slavery, legalized um, Black citizens, and allowed them voting rights. But there was a lot of hardship that went along with that, you know, like, there was a lot of vote voting laws that were passed are very restrictive and grandfather clauses. And as, as Scott mentioned, like Jim Crow laws, like basically you had this period of after the civil war where you had the union and a lot of people thinking, Oh yeah, we we abolished slavery. We're good. We're done. But a lot of black people having to live with the reality of like, Oh, maybe we are going to be free. And then soon and shortly understand, like shortly finding out that, that is not the case. And I think my biggest takeaway from this, from hearing all of this, from hearing after Reconstruction, Jim Crow laws, the lynching, um, the KKK, like all of these things, these awful things that were going on during the time is like, I, I think it's easy for people and kind of going on my last point. Like, I think it's very easy to think for people to think like, oh yeah, the civil war, like we abolished slavery or, oh, the civil rights act got passed in the 1960s. Like everybody's equal, but that is far from the truth and it neglects reality, if that makes sense. I think it, especially growing up in school and hearing like about civil war and 13th amendment and hearing civil rights act, like you think in a way, like almost like the civil rights movement has been done and over with, and that it's, you know, we won, but then you don't get to hear the real stories of people that were suffering still. And in the ways that even though it's legally abolished, but like racism and oppression were still very much legal, a part of the government. And yeah ongoing
1: um yeah you kind of they try to you know you think it's if it's legislation and you can legislate morality almost you think all right well the, the law says you can't be racist so there's no more racist mm-hmm. and that's just not the case
0: yeah it's not you know and there's two points I want to make but a few things I want to share here on page 97 there's a quote from EB Dubois uh, hold on one second no so I want to share a quote here from EB Dubois that says uh the slave went free and this is kind of in light of everything that happened from like reconstruction and all the attempts of legal of making slaves and um black people equal but it, and it just didn't happen but he said the slave went free stood a brief moment in the sun and then moved back again towards slavery uh that quote really really hit me um and secondly like it, it just it just reaffirmed to me that like the institution of slavery and racism in general and, and racial oppression and and like that's that has been ingrained and been developed over hundreds of years, and a part of the culture of America. It's been part of America for hundreds of years, even before this, from colonization, from that. I mean, it's racism has been in the hearts of people throughout history. You see acts of oppression towards other people and other groups because they look different. You know, it's not going to be solved of just a couple laws that get passed in a couple in twelve years. You know, like even in twelve years after Reconstruction. And like uh, Ruther B. Hayes pulled out federal support in the South after 12 years and really basically left the black people to survive on their own and all, you know, in the South, there was no government helping them to enforce civil rights. And so basically things went back pretty quickly to a lot of system of oppression. And it, it's just like 12 years, like you think 12 years, like, is a you know, like, oh, that's a good amount of time, actually. But even that is, is, is not enough to like. It's just this whole chapter was a reminder to me that, like, racism, social inequality, like, all of those things cannot just be fixed overnight. They can't just be fixed by, like, a social media campaign that takes off for a week. You know, like, it's not, there's no quick fixes when it comes to this. And it takes people th- rethinking the way they live, re- rethinking the way they think about other people, our government, our society, and doing something about it, but not just for to show off or to not just like, be a part of some movement, but like to commit to lifelong, like, Hey, I'm going to be different. I'm going to stand up for what's right. And like, Mm -hmm. I I think it's just easy for us to think, Oh, it's done. We already did that. Like, why do we need to go back instead of realizing it's a much bigger, larger and more time consuming. Not even, I feel bad saying time consuming because it's not, I don't want to think about that way, but
1: no, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think you mean it's a time consuming in a negative aspect, but just that it's going to take time. Correct. And, and it's going to take effort. Um, for sure. So no, I understand that. But that was my,
0: uh, that was my, my big takeaway. The thing I kept coming back to.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, that's definitely one
0: last thing i will say. Oh. society as a whole, I think once conflict end, I think we're naturally people who want to avoid conflict in our lives. So we deny it or we believe in like false victories to help us sleep better at night. Um, mm, wow. but we need, but we need to have that perseverance to press on.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's definitely big. I, th- I think I'll, I'll kind of add two, two more quick takeaways. Um, one of the, one of the things that I think it was Andrew Johnson, was it? Andrew Johnson was the president that yeah, they are talking um, about. Yes. Andrew um, Johnson. he said he made claims that interceding for black people actually discriminated against white people. And that's such a, that's such a crazy thing to think about that because I'm helping out one Mm. race of people, therefore I'm discriminating against the other. I feel like that's that's what people say about twisted way of thinking. I feel like that's what people say about CRT today. Yeah. I mean, there, you can, there's so many parallels that you can draw today and and I won't sit here and and draw those parallels, but you can definitely connect the dots to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he, he even talks about it in the, in the book, but It's just such a twisted way of thinking, like, because I'm helping out these people, that means I hate this other group of people. Like That's so stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I can't, that's insane to me. And then the other one that has like so many parallels to stuff going on today is that uh, many, many white Christians failed to unequivocally condemn lynching and other acts of racial terror. Uh, You know, that's, that's something else we, we see being complicit in racism or not being complicit or whatever it's, you know, you can say there's a lot of lines that you don't want to cross or there's lines that you don't want to draw. But if you can't condemn injustice, Mm. then what are you doing? Like that's, Mm. that's such a baseline for being a follower of Christ is standing up for the marginalized and decrying injustices. Like that's, Mm. That's what Jesus did when he was on this earth. And that's who he calls us to be. Uh, and so yeah, and, and kind of the I'll, I'll i want to read the last paragraph in the chapter one, uh, because I, I do think it kind of sums up this chapter well.
0: I feel like you read the last line or paragraph of the of the chapter each week. Well, Not making fun of like, you, but no, I know no, summarizes no. it summarizes
1: It's just almost like the uh the people who are authors of books know it's good to kind of summarize things in the last little bit. To you know? start out
0: with the here's where we're going and end it with yeah. a, this is what we talked about
1: exactly yeah did you have anything else to add or can you want me to um, end on this or yeah
0: I had a few I just had a few take like quick facts I found was interesting I literally so they started talking about the KKK awful like everybody's probably heard of the KKK at some point. And I, I literally wrote in my notes, KK is awful, but I'm wondering if like it was just more of a fringe group of people, mm. similar to like Westboro Baptist Church that like it's like these crazy, like they protest all the time and like yeah, this is fringe group. And then literally the next paragraph, <laughs> they had about three to five million members in the north alone. I'm like, oh yeah. wow. Um maybe a it was a, group.
1: yeah, maybe it was a little bit more widespread. And then 40,000 ministers.
0: Yeah, I mean, ridiculous, uh, a lot more widespread than I thought, at least like, and I don't know individually where they stood on mm-hmm. levels of whatever, it may be. you know, it was more of a, there was a lot of people I identified more with the ideals more than like the actual violence and things like that. All of it, I'm can, you know, I just cannot, I, I don't stand for obviously, but um, right. I don't want to just blink at as terrorist. Uh, I'm sure there was some nuance in that, but all, yeah. all nuance I disagree with, but uh, <laughs> nuance all the same. Another thing I just thought about in light of KKK too, like they played on fears about a certain group of people and got them basically coming together to uphold certain ideologies. I just, I see that that plays out today in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. So yeah, end us off.
1: All right. Yeah. So I'll just read this last chapter, our last, um, last paragraph, not the whole chapter. This episode so, is <laughs> 45 minutes long. Some white Christians used their faith to support the fiction of the lost cause narrative and notions of a romanticized white Protestant South. Others bent Christianity to support the Ku Klux Klan and its racial terrorism designed to reinforce white power. The American church's complicity with racism contributed to a context that continued to discriminate against Black people even after the deadly lessons of the Civil War. As the next chapter will show, this racist atmosphere and Christian complicity therein did not reside only in the South, but permeated the entire country.
0: Well, uh, chapter six is a tough one, Um, but I hope you guys got something out of it and was able to read and reflect over it. And I I always say read and reflect when talking about scripture. And so I feel weird even saying about this book, but um, it's
1: definitely a read and reflect book like this. uh, That chapter was brutal to read, uh, but I think it was a necessary. I think a necessary so. history lesson. Well, I think kind of, and yeah, least. going off
0: what I talked about earlier, like just making sure we're not making sure we're not romanticizing and being nostalgic about the past, but we can be realist about the past so that we don't ignore why things are today like they are today. But exactly. Um, anyways, we uh, we hope you guys enjoyed um, and thanks for, for joining us in this journey through this book. I'm excited. We're halfway there, halfway to the end. We'll Chapter probably seven next week. Yeah, and I mean Scott, we haven't talked about this a lot, but I assume we'll probably keep doing
1: books. We might take a little break. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I think yeah, we'll definitely maybe maybe pick something a little bit less uh I don't know, something a little more lighthearted next time. We'll
0: read something about finances for Scott. Um Perfect. and then we'll then we'll read through the Lord of the Rings, all three books. All right, now guys. That. Uh catch you guys next week. uh bye.
1: Peace. Peace.